Welcome to the first full-length edition of Counselor's Corner. I'm Matt Gonzalez, school counselor at AACA. And I'm Deborah Larea, the other school counselor at AACA. Today, we're going to focus on a very important topic, bullying. October is Bullying Prevention Month. Did you know that one in four students will report being the victim of bullying behavior between preschool and the time they graduate high school. To start us off, we have an interview with an expert in the field. We hope you enjoy. We'd like to welcome a special guest with us today, Dr. Lydia Barheit. Dr. Barheit is a licensed clinical psychologist. She specializes in working with children and families, and she has a particular interest and background in health psychology, as well as in bullying and other forms of child aggression. She's also the parent of a preschool student here at Alphonsus Academy. Dr. Barheit, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Lydia, I think there is some misunderstanding or confusion about the, the term bullying. Could you define what is a bullying situation? Absolutely. With bullying, we're looking at forms of aggression that are intentional actions that harm, intimidate, or humiliate another person. A key factor is that there's a real or a perceived power differential between the players. For example, a child who's engaging in bullying might be larger or physically stronger, or perhaps more socially adept or more popular than the victim. And finally, bullying also implies that an action is occurring repeatedly over time. So could you give us some ideas of different types of bullying that are prevalent? There are many different forms of bullying. That's a great question. Some classic examples that come to mind are verbal aggression, such as taunting or threatening somebody, physical aggression, which could be hitting or pushing, knocking into somebody, or even social or relational aggression. So this is where you might be thinking of leaving somebody out, or even severe social ostracism. And so all these different forms all can be encompassed in the bullying definition. We know uh, technology and social media um, are a huge part in the lives of our students. Um, how does this um, relate to bullying, or how does bullying come into play in this world of technology and social media? Sure. And, you know, I think adults and kids and teens alike now have digital devices as part of their daily lives. Things like cell phones, computers, tablets. And cyberbullying is essentially bullying that takes place over these devices. So it could be through text messages, group texts, apps or online and social media, forums, or even gaming. So in these situations, others can view or participate in or share content. And cyberbullying includes sending or posting or sharing negative, harmful, false, or really mean, nasty content about somebody else. And this can cause an extreme amount of embarrassment or humiliation for children and teens. And so some common places to look out for this would be for your children, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And then there's many apps that allow what are called DMs or PMs, so direct messages or personal messages. And this is an opportunity for one user to send a direct message to somebody else. And so cyberbullying isn't always public, but it is over social media. So another thing to think about here is even when social media interactions are positive, they can also get out of hand just in terms of the quantity. 
so not just when there's aggression going on, but just normal posting can implicate some stress too for teens. So if you think through something like the number of likes that a post is getting or the number of views, these can be things that teens and children are checking a lot. And some of the more recent studies show that even though there are benefits we know of for teens to have access to social media, there are also some big concerns. And some of the neuroscience studies that are coming out are that when you check your phone, there are actual brain changes in terms of chemical interactions. And that parts of your brain, such as the pleasure center or reward centers, are involved in processing looking at the screen. So this is setting up your child for something they're going to want to keep doing. In fact, there was a recent striking statistic that 40% of teenagers state that they would answer a text message in the middle of the night. So as a family, it's a good idea to think about parameters of when you might want to limit access. Some families like to think of it as a certain time of night where you might go dark or sort of turn off your access to screens. This wouldn't be a punishment, but really just as part of your bedtime routine to make sure everyone has a chance to settle down. It can be a nice idea to think about other ways that you can relax. For some people, this might be a book on tape that you listen to or a favorite podcast, maybe a relaxation application to help you calm your body. And some people also really appreciate prayer as an opportunity to, to rest and find some respite at night. Lydia, when I was in school and a student was engaging in bullying behavior, you knew how to avoid that student. How is it more complex in today's world with the advent of social media and cyberbullying? big part of their social life is social media. So they want to be on the different social media platforms, yet they're opening themselves up to potential bullying. That's a great point. And there are those two sides. There's a lot of good that can come out of social media. There's a lot of support and friendship and engagement that kids can get through these different media. But to your point that it becomes so persistent, children are now able to continuously communicate 24 hours a day. So for somebody who's experiencing cyberbullying, it can be incredibly difficult to find any relief because this isn't a certain situation or a certain time of day, it, it follows them. And it's also so public. So another unique piece here is that unlike if someone says something to somebody else in the hallway, it occurs and it's over, cyberbullying can be shared, people can take screenshots, mm -hmm. and it sort of creates this permanent record of the event so it can continue to come up for children and teens. So as a parent, what are some of the warning signs that I should look for to assess whether my child has really been a victim of bullying? That's a question that a lot of parents of patients I work with ask, and it's a great question because every parent wants to make sure that our children are okay and that if something's happening, we know about it. So children who are being bullied are at risk for a number of different outcomes. Things that you would want to look for, the obvious signs could be physical injuries, bruises, or cuts that might indicate more severe physical bullying. You might notice missing items, such as a new backpack or a pair of shoes going missing. But more prevalently, there's often subtle signs. 
So for example, a Sunday night, if your child doesn't want to go to school or that morning they don't want to go to school, they seem avoidant, maybe they were a great student and their grades are dropping. We also know that children who are bullied are more likely to have symptoms of depression. So this could be sadness or irritability, maybe having a really hard time sleeping, and lots of anxiety or worry. And finally, something to look out for would be unexplained pains. So unexplained headaches or stomach aches, especially those that happen before school or at the end of the weekend. So these would all be signs that there could be something upsetting going on that needs to be looked into more. We're curious about some of the protective factors that could help um, mitigate bullying. Um, and so in your work uh, as a psychologist and as a parent, um, what are some of the things that we could be doing? Well, we're so lucky to have research coming out now that's really helping us understand different types of bullying and forms and what makes a child more or less likely to be bullied or to engage in bullying. And if you think about these in three big categories, the first one is characteristics of an individual child. So if you think about a child who maybe has a hard time solving problems, if someone doesn't have good problem solving skills, they might be more likely to act out or have poor impulse control. So things you can do to help children from that angle would be to work on calming down, using your words, making sure to model for children that conflict is normal, but that how you solve the problem is really important and making sure that there truly are resources available to kids and teens when they come to ask for help so that they feel that there's another outlet than resorting to aggression. We also know that there's family factors that can increase risk. So certainly children who are exposed to violence in the home or perhaps have inconsistent discipline at home harsh punishments, we know that those children are more likely to engage in bullying. And so to counteract that, we would recommend focusing on having an atmosphere at home with consistent parenting, effective discipline, social connections, and again, really modeling for kids healthy, effective ways to work through conflict. And then finally, the school and community setting is incredibly important. So we know that some risk factors for kids are kids who perhaps have a harder time academically for whatever reason. Kids with physical differences or emotional differences are at higher risk of being rejected or made fun of and bullied. So they might experience distress at school. So making sure we're looking out for children who are having a difficult time academically or socially and really making sure that the school class and the school overall has a norm where it's not okay. And so really working together from teachers, counselors, um, administration, and parents and kids all together, the whole community, making sure that it's clear that the abuse is not tolerated and that we're a community that supports kids even when they're having a hard time. So as a parent, what steps would you recommend that I take if child shares the bully word, I've been bullied at school. You know, in some ways, everyone's heart sort of drops when they hear that. And I think as a parent, your first instinct is to feel really worried for your child. And, and anger is natural too. You might feel angry at this other child without maybe knowing the whole situation. So my general advice is to first make sure you're looping in your school because staff 
probably have a lot more information about the situation and can really give you the details that help put the whole picture in place. And so once you have more information, I advise working with the school to make sure that there's a plan to address the behavior and really listen empathically to your child too. Um, praise the child for coming to you. A lot of kids and teens are concerned that if they tell an adult what's happening, that there'll be some sort of retribution hmm. or maybe that they won't even be believed. So when you hear this, it's important to tell the child that you hear them, that you're listening and that you're going to work with them to solve it so that they don't feel alone. Some practical suggestions for children in general would be, you know, making sure you're with buddies. Having friends around is an incredibly important buffer. You know, make sure that you have ways to hold in anger or deal with anger, I should say, cope appropriately. So, you know, when we're in a moment where we're really upset and perhaps more hot-headed, that can make situations more difficult. So teaching all kids ways to relax and cope and calm down in difficult situations. And then really making sure kids know that having someone you trust to work through with, that they're not alone and that there are individuals who can help them and help solve these problems and help support the whole community. So what do you say when the child says, it's only going to make it worse? If you go to the school, it's only going to make it worse. And kids do say that all the time. Mm -hmm. and, and to be fair, that can happen. Depending on how the situation is handled, that is certainly accurate. So if they go to a parent, for example, who becomes incredibly angered and calls the other child's family and yells, or if they go to a teacher who, who discounts their concern, that's true. That could make that child feel incredibly invalidated and like they shouldn't have said anything in the first place. But I think depending on how this is handled, as long as the child knows that they're safe. And what I mean by that is to make sure that they know that you're listening and that they're helping this other person too. So typically when a child is engaging in bullying, there's often something that's not going very well for them as well. So this is a way to get a peer help, um, to learn to be a kinder person or to get help that they need to be able to interact appropriately. So it's not necessarily to get that person in trouble, um, it's to get them help and support. And then I think making sure that staff know of resources available to them, what language to use, best practices and how to address things with these children so that they feel empowered to handle the situation too. So let's follow up on the, the question about parents talking to parents. What would be your suggestions on when and how a parent might approach another parent in the community? Sure. And that's a, and a really important question because we think of our parent community as an extension of our school. The first thing I would recommend is thinking about what efforts have already been made. So what has your child already tried? Who have they already talked to? We sometimes talk about the idea of helicopter parenting, so just sort of hovering over our children, waiting for a problem and being ready to swoop down. But sometimes it can even extend another level to sometimes thinking about it as a snow plowing parent or snow plowing parenting. And this style is when we're not even waiting for the problem to happen. We are just clearing the way for our child. And this comes from a really good place of, of wanting our ch children to be happy and content. But 
the inadvertent reality is that we're not letting them learn how to, you know, for, in this analogy, shovel their own snow. <laughs> so they need ways to learn how to solve conflict. So the first thing I would do is, is talk to the teachers, the counselors, the staff who've been involved. Think about how severe the situation is. And maybe developmentally, this is just a chance for you to talk to your child. Maybe all they need is a, a little bit of role playing to talk about how they're gonna address the situation on their own. Or maybe this is something more severe where you do wanna get involved. And so if you are going to go, go that route, I would suggest that you just think about how would you want to be told if someone was coming to you about your child. And some keys here would be to be open, meaning you're inviting some feedback, you are curious for the response of the parent, and that you're inviting and calm. And you know, none of us operate well when we're really emotional. It's really hard to use logic and to be practical. So making sure that you're doing this in a time where you feel calm and ready to really listen and be open. And just always remember that your children are watching. <laughs> and so to come back to that modeling idea, again, this is a chance to show children that hard things do happen and that there's ways to work through them and they're going to learn from your actions. It's great. Well, thank you so much for being our very first guest on Counselor's Corner. Uh, I'm sure our parents and our community will really appreciate your knowledge, expertise, and and thoughts. And it's just great to have that perspective of um, you know your professional life and as a parent. So thanks again so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Lydia. That was a really great conversation with Dr. Barhey. It was really great to hear her perspective as a parent and as an expert in the field. And now that we've heard from Lydia, we want to take a few minutes to talk about the way we approach bullying at AACA and how we work to prevent it. As we heard from Lydia, there are some protective factors that a school and a community can do to mitigate the risk of bullying. Social emotional learning is an integral part of our curriculum at Alphonse's Academy. We push into every classroom in the building to ensure that our students know how to be kind and accepting of all students in the school. As we heard from Lydia, students that have been bullied or students that have engaged in bullying behavior are at increased risk for mental health challenges such as anxiety and depression. Knowing this, we thought it would be very important for our, our sixth through eighth grade students to be aware of what the signs and symptoms are of depression. We do a training program in their seminar classes and we have a screener to identify whether any of our students are at risk for anxiety or depression. As Lydia mentioned during our interview, it's important that if you have a concern about bullying that's happening with your child or another child, that you reach out to the school so that we can be aware of what's happening. There is an official protocol and a bullying reporting form located in the parent-student handbook. We also wanna keep our parents educated about their child's experience at school especially in the social-emotional learning realm. To do that, we've had a series of parent morning meetings throughout the fall. We wanna thank those of you who have taken the time to join us, and we just have two meetings left. 
Our preschool meeting will be held in the lower level of the school at 8.15 a.m. on November 7th, and our last parent morning meeting of the year, first grade, on November 14th at 8.15 in the common room on the second floor at the rectory. Matt and I are really excited and looking forward to further discussions on how we can maintain AACA as a welcoming and supportive school. We both look forward to coming to school every day and we want that for your child.